0: good evening listeners today is monday august 28th 2023 and the time is now 6 14 p.m eastern standard time how is everybody doing on this fine monday it looks like we're expecting some rain showers where i am i don't know about you how's the weather where you are before i forget a big shout out to spotify for podcasters i got it right this time folks i didn't stutter I'm trying to get used to because I'm so used to saying Anchor FM for podcasters, but it's called Spotify for podcasters. So I'm trying to, you know, that's what they want to be called. I'm try, trying to show them the respect that they deserve. But a great platform, folks. I'm having a great time. You ever thought about starting a podcast? Consider Spotify or just check out the many, many podcasts out there. So how are you doing today? What are you up to? How is your Monday going? How is? I hope you had a good day. If you're at work or finishing work, or with your family, or your institution, I hope you're feeling well today. I hope you had a good meal. I hope you, you know, you're, you're passing the time that you're absent of any physical or mental pain, and you're just finding some harmony and peace and meaning in this life. Uh, just an update, folks. I've, I finally launched a YouTube channel. You know, I've been talking about it. I, I, I do want to eventually launch th- three channels, but I'm starting one at a time. So I just started one channel right now, just playing the trumpet. And I talk a little. I'm not going to lie. I don't just play. I talk a little, too. I'm, I'm having fun with it. Of course, nobody's watching, but that's okay. I will not, you know, I won't quit. You know, people don't always listen to this podcast, but I keep going. That's the trick, folks. You got to keep going. You know, you cannot expect instant feedback. Anyway, listen, before I for, you know, forget, there because some people who just tune in because they saw the key words for true crime. I don't want to, you know, lose you folks. Yes, we're going to do another installment in the true crime episode, folks. Today's case we will be discussing is the Sarah Stern case. Poor child Sarah Stern was the victim in this case and the defendant, or actually he was convicted, was Liam Mucatazany. I believe it's M-C-T-A-S-N-E-Y. And this case took place in Neptune, New Jersey, which I believe is in North New Jersey. Uh, no, no, not North. I'm sorry. I believe actually, actually, it's a it's a city by the sea. I actually believe it might be right next to Asbury Park. So that's what I'm thinking. It's along the Jersey Shore. Uh, I'm I'm not too familiar with Jersey to tell you the truth, folks. But let's just say it's by the water, because the crime took place by the water, or at least the, the defendant was convicted. Anyway, this case was about Sarah Stern. Um, and there's an old saying, folks, loose lips will sink ships. Well, this is one case in which an individual boasted too much about a crime. You see, uh, I slant scales in his favor. I did not specify his crime, although he was convicted later. Anyway, this case, like I mentioned, involved the murder of a beautiful 19-year-old girl named Sarah, and um, the defendant, Liam, Liam McAtassie purported to be Sarah's friend when, in actuality, he was a demon in disguise, a demon who actually said, on video to his friend, Anthony. I believe Anthony's last name is Kumia. I could be wrong. I'm going completely by memory, folks. I'm, You know, I, I had researched the keys in the past, and I just wrote down this episode without looking anything up. I'm just going by my memory. I did not fact check. I'll be honest, I apologize. So please, if I'm mistaken on anything, please correct me. I don't want to give any misinformation. That basically, you know, um, his friend Anthony, he said on a video to his friend Anthony that basically, what's a life living unless you take chances? Like, like this whole thing was some kind of a thrill for the defendant, you know, and it was worth in, you know, but you know he then he talks about. The net profit basically being bird feed for him. Uh, Even the gross sum was not much. And honestly, no sum is worth taking a life. I don't care if it's a trillion dollars. You don't take a life in any form. Human life in general is more valuable than currency. Life was God made. Currency was man, women manufactured. Um, you know, humans or animal species, it it's morally wrong unless warranted. You know, certain situations, but back legally, I meant. But backtracking here, uh, you know, Neptune, New Jersey, is a small, close-knit, picturesque inlet community located in New Jersey, not too far from New York City. The defendant and victim grew up near each other in addition to another defendant in the case. His name will come back to me. I'm not even going to mention his name because I just, it's not coming to me. I just remember he got 26 years, the other defendant in the case. And, um, i you know, well, my point is everybody knew each other in the community, they were all friends. They all grew up together. The defendant, the victim, um, the defendant had a twin brother also named Seamus. I mean, all everybody knew each other. I believe the, the, pen, the defendant's parents were separated or divorced at the time of the crime. Not that this is relevant, you know, to the case. But basically, I didn't really t- state the facts to the case, folks. The body was never recovered. Sarah Stern's body was never recovered. Basically, what had happened was Sarah Stern was murdered in her home, and then the two defendants drove with the body to a, an overpass, a bridge in Neptune, New Jersey where the cameras were not working and the defendant and his friend dumped the body from the car in the middle of the night. One of them looking for passerbys, make sure nobody was watching and threw the body into the water and the river took the body away and the body was never found. We never saw the body again. Now, what was the, we have a motive in this crime as well. The the victim had lost her mother to cancer a few years back and she had an inheritance. Unfortunately, she confided in the defendant, who she considered to be a friend. And I believe she stood to stand for $100,000. I believe, unfortunately, after she was killed, the defendant only yielded about $7,000. And unfortunately he couldn't even use that money because it was marked. So he was complaining about that as well. But he did it for the thrill. Anyway, how was he caught? Because he was grilled. I mean, they interrogated him left and right. The police, you know talked to him because he was the last person to speak to her. He was her best friend. They came by his house. They interviewed him in front of his mother in front of the house. The mother offered the police officers' iced tea. He came to the station. He talked to the police. He talked about the, the, the victim being depressed and speculating that maybe she, maybe she ran away or maybe she committed suicide. The victim had a father who loved her very much, but the defendant tried to paint the picture that the the victim had problems with her father and she wanted to get away from her father and she ran away to get away from her father. You see, what they defendants will do, they'll try to distance themselves from the crime. You know, that's obviously nobody wants to go to prison for the rest of their life. And so how was he caught? Because the cops had nothing on him. They didn't have a body. They didn't have a weapon. They did not have a confession. You know, how do they do? Well, unfortunately, his ego caught up to him because, you know, a lot of these folks who are killers, who are narcissists, who are sociopaths, they want to boast. They want credit. Subconsciously, they just want somebody to know. They want credit for the crime. So he had reached out to his friend Anthony both prior to and after the crime. Now, Anthony was a filmmaker who had moved to Brooklyn, New York, and prior to the crime, the defendant had reached out to Anthony, basically just pitching the plot for a movie, basically describing how he was going to kill the victim as like a pitch for a plot for a movie, I suppose. And then the defendant kept reaching out to the victim even after the crime, and did I say, The defendant kept reaching out to Anthony, to Anthony, the witness. Is he a witness? Well, he he set him up, whatever. He kept reaching out to this guy, Anthony, and Anthony was suspicious. He heard about the girl being missing. He had spoken to the defendant before, you know, the whole thing went down with the defendant pitching this plot to him. The the, the witness, Anthony, wanted to do the right thing and bring justice. So he, he approached the police and said, look, I think this guy Liam is in on it. Yo, know, Liam's been calling me. Liam's been reaching out to me, you know, and the cops said are you willing to cooperate? I don't think they made him wear a wire, but they set up some kind of a, you know, a cell phone, uh, a hidden cell phone in his car, and the defendant, you know, met him in the car and the, and the defendant patted Anthony down to make sure he wasn't wearing a wire. And then they had the whole conversation on camera. The defendant basically Confessed to the whole crime, talked about going to the victim's house, describing how he strangled her, how it took so long, how it took like 10 minutes before she drew her last breath. Talked about how he got the body, how he called his friend to help him transport the body to the overpass, how he was scared about Carr seeing him, you know, throwing the body over in the water, how the body was heavy, how He thinks the the FBI was coming down hard on him, but he thinks it's over. He he thinks he's in the clear now. They stopped investigating him, blah, blah. Well, the next day, Liam McAtassie was in cuffs because, uh, you know, the cops saw the video, and it was enough to incriminate him and make arrest. And in his case, he tried to have that video tossed out in his trial, stating that, you know, he was just discussing the plot for a movie, that he hadn't actually killed the young woman, that they were just discussing the plot for a movie, and unfortunately, well, thank God the judge did not bar that evidence. The the videotaped confession was presented during the trial, and Liam McIntazzy was convicted of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So he took a chance. He lived an exciting life. He killed somebody, and now the most excitement he's going to have in his life is waiting for commissary and if they have certain kinds of foods on certain days in the cafeteria and then fantasizing about women in his cell because he's not ever going to be with a woman. Not Maybe he shouldn't be with any woman, honestly. He probably strangled them to death. Honestly, this the world's a safer place without him. He shot himself in the foot. He threw away his life and he hurt his mother and his family because they're not going to have him either. And he hurt sarah's father and he hurt sarah's friends he left everybody brokenhearted all for a thrill i don't know how he lives in himself i'm not in his mind i don't know anyway folks 13 minutes and 18 seconds 6 27 p.m eastern standard time august 28 2023 thank you for tuning in talk to you soon